The Art of Leadership Network. Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. It's Carrie here, and this is episode 508. We are going to sit down with Sam Collier. And today's episode is brought to you by Tithely. You can get your free resource kit to help church leaders do fundraising better by going to increasegenerosity.com and by Brushfire. Join the 30,000 plus events that use Brushfire every year and you get a $500 credit toward your first event if you go to brushfire.com slash carry. Well, it's good to have my good friend Sam Collier back. We are going to talk about Opening up a church during the pandemic, he kind of planted twice, which is interesting. He started with Hillsong, decided to leave, replanted his church, a story church. And we talk about all that, the backstory behind that, and then leading while bleeding and why small church is the new big church. So really glad to have Sam back on the podcast. He is the lead pastor of Story Church Atlanta. He's also the founder of A Greater Story Ministries, which houses a nationally televised interview series and a podcast called A Greater Story with Sam Collier. He also has a partnership with Baker Publishing, which recently released his book, A Greater Story. He was previously, Sam, at North Point Ministries, Ebenezer Baptist, New Birth Church, Orange Leaders, and most recently, Hillsong Atlanta, where he was the former lead pastor. He's also spent a lot of his time with leaders like Dr. Bernice King, Reggie Joyner, Andy Stanley, Nona Jones at Facebook, just to name a few. And he is a new dad as well. We talk about that a little bit in the podcast. Congrats, Sam and Tony. And uh, pastors, you know that the health of your church is deeply connected to the generosity of your members, but creating a culture of generosity at your church, not so simple. So Tithely is a free tool that helps churches increase generosity through digital giving. Now, Tithely has put together a resource kit to help church leaders do fundraising better. So their easy-to-download kit includes a five-step plan for building a culture of recurring giving at your church, a practical guide for fundraising in 2022, a bumper video for a sermon on generosity, and more. These resources can help you grow your generosity and financial partnership at your church. So it's a special offer that is only available to you as listeners of my podcast. So if you want it, get your free fundraising resource. Go to increasegenerosity.com. That's increasegenerosity.com. And did you know events are back? So let Brushfire help you launch yours. Brushfire offers all-in-one event management, and that gives you features that you need for a reasonable price. So whether you need seamless ticketing and registration, custom event pages, virtual event solutions, or even an attendee app for your event, or anything in between, Brushfire will become your go-to to put on a picture-perfect event. Best of all, the platform is easy to use for everyone. You don't need to be a tech whiz to, and you can launch your event in just minutes. So they have built hundreds of partnerships with churches and ministries around the world since 2003, and their team is waiting to help make your next event a success. So join the 30,000 plus events that use Brushfire every year. My listeners, guess what? You get a $500 credit toward your first event. So if you want this deal, go to brushfire.com slash carry. That's brushfire.com slash carry. So I just want to say before we jump into Sam Collier, thank you so much for listening. Wherever you find yourself, summer is my favorite season. I'm often out on my bike, uh, doing a workout, 
in my backyard mowing the lawn. I mean, that's such a great podcast environment. I don't know where you like to listen to your podcast, but that's where I do a lot of my listening. And summer is my favorite season. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a shout out on social. I'm Kerry Newhoff on Instagram. Give Sam a shout out on social. And in the meantime, here's my conversation with Sam Collier. Sam Collier, welcome back, man. It's good to have you. Dr. Newhoff, the man, the myth, the legend. And I do want to say this because that you've, you've got, I listen to the show often and you've had so many top tier leaders and emerging leaders and your platforming leaders. So you don't get to hear this often, but man, your leadership profile and platform is blessing, not just the church, but the corporate world. I talked to so many people and leaders across the country. And I, I was listening, to, I think, to your episode with Vance Roosh. I think mm-hmm. if I say that name right. Yeah. And he was, it, I mean, obviously he was at Google and so on. And he's, but he was right when he said it. It's like you go on the Kerry show, <laughs> the Kerry show, <laughs> and it hits the leadership sphere like crazy, man. People are tuning in. And I'll just tell you this, and I know I'm getting way off and we just started, but just as, a new leader myself in terms of in the lead pastor role, been leading for a while, but in the lead pastor role, this podcast has just been invaluable to me. Um, it, and it hits me in a new place because now I'm, I'm leading a tribe every single day. Um, and I was doing it before, but now they're like next door. Right. <laughs> so it's like, and so it's just been, it breathes life. So I can understand why so many leaders listen to it around the country, man. It's, it's an international platform. And I just want to let you know, and I'm sure others know that are listening, that this thing is, I mean, it's blessing the world. Well, thank you. And you're blessing the world. I appreciate you saying that. I think it's Vance Rausch. I didn't know how to pronounce his name either, right. but I think I got it right. Um, yeah. But you know what, Sam? Like, it's just great to have friends like you. We've known each other eight years now, I think, or whatever. Yeah. It was, it's been a minute. And just to see what God's done with your life and all the different transitions. So really, in this conversation, want to focus on your later latest chapter through the lens of church planting, because I get hit up by church planters all the time and faith-minded business people who are funding church plants. Wow. And the game has changed. And you've been, you've been through the ringer and back and done it in the middle of a pandemic. And then, yeah. you know, I always love catching up with you on all things Sam. So it's great to have you. So <laughs> on that note, you have been through a lot. I mean, you've been through the pandemic like every other human being. You planted a church. You decoupled the church you planted from Hillsong. You started Hillsong Atlanta and now restarted at Easter 2022 as New Story Church. And you're becoming a father. You've got a junior on the way. Yeah. I want to start here. How... Have you handled all the stress? Because you and I text, and I know yeah. this has not been an easy year. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that me and you spoke about is, you know, I, I haven't spoken too much about everything that I'm sure we'll navigate today, mm-hmm. um, but it's just because I wanted to talk to somebody that's trusted, mm-hmm. someone that I love that'll help carry it with grace, and I needed to, you know, get 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 outside of it, you know, a little get bit. Get some perspective, um, <laughs> get at least a couple months under your belt. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, it, to answer your question directly with all of the ups and the downs and the rounds and the rounds, you know, I, 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 I've got a t-shirt um, that I wear that we sell at the church now called, ther- it's called Therapy is Dope. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's great. You, if you step in the story uh, church Atlanta, like everybody's wearing the shirt and it's a hoodie and it's therapy is dope. And you know, it's, it's just, I, I joke with my therapist all the time. She kind of comes in and out of a counselor and then like um, business development coach. And cause she used to be a pastor and then now she's a business owner. So we switch, she switches hats all the time. And I'm like, I just joke with all the time. I just pay you to listen to me and <laughs> and just throw some things back that help give me perspective. But she she has been a anchor for me um, throughout all of this because, you know, when I, I, I would probably say in the last let's just go year, there's been so many, so, so many high highs, so many low lows, so many emotions, so so much change. Um, that I have just needed somebody to help me put the pieces back together or to to help me figure out where to put them when they come in. Um, and so therapy has been really big for me. And then vacation, Tony made me go to Jamaica and mm. it was it was a, she made me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. <laughs> so you went to Jamaica. I went to Jamaica and um, you know, just sat and looked at the water, just, you know, um, and and had a moment to breathe. But I, I I just in all transparency, therapy was it has been everything for me. Well, I know a lot of people know you. I think this is round three or four on the podcast, and I yeah. love having you back every time. But people can go back into the archive, and we've talked about your story, your tough upbringing. We've talked yeah. about racial justice and discrimination. We've talked about the different legs of your journey and the whole deal. But what I want to ask you, particularly in the lens of the last two years, what has been the hardest part? of all the transition? Like when you look back and you say, okay, this was the low, where did the low hit you? Um, you know, in all honesty, Carrie, I think I'll probably give two lows. One is, you know, I'm always grateful to God for every moment and every, every change and shift because he's what I, one of the things I've learned in my life with, cause my life has kind of been filled with ups and downs, right? Adoption, mm-hmm. poverty, and then extreme highs, extreme lows, church scandal, not just with Hillsong, but with others, right? It's just yeah, like, yeah, no, I, I have, you know, so, so it's been filled with that. And one of the things that has always been constant for me is God's ability to um, carry you through it all reroute you, use it for good, rearrange things, teach you lessons. So that for me was somewhat the easier part because it's just been my life. It's God moves in the unknown. God moves in the chaos. He brings order to chaos, right? It's a theological concept that is, I think, has shaped my life at the highest level of God just moving in the chaos. Um, So I'm actually kind of okay in chaotic situations because I've been in a lot of them. What for me has been um, one of the lows is just trying to understand some of the chaos. (laughs) It's like, you know, and I don't know if this is an eight thing on the Enneagram, um, but for me, the worst place for me to be is in confusion. If I don't know what's going on, even if I understand what's going on, right? I mean, I'm sorry, even yeah, even if I understand what's going on, but it's hard, I can manage it. It's like, oh, you hate me. Okay, cool. Now I know that, right? Or, oh, yeah. 
we're low in money or, oh, we're this or, oh, we got to change this or, or the church is doing this. Or, as long as I know, I'm okay because it's, it's, I have clarity. But if I don't understand fully, okay, God, why do you have me here? And why did you send me into this? And why did you do this? That for me has been one of the biggest kind of moments of just low because I found my, and this is where my therapist came in. The target was always moving for me. It was moving. It was like, okay, this is why I thought I was here. Oh, no, this is why. Oh, no, this is why. Oh, okay, wait, whoa, whoa. I mean, it's happening so much. Um, and, and then I would just say managing people in the unknown when they're trying to find safety as well in the chaos is very difficult as well. I'm Even if I can manage myself, but like I was saying, you know, being a lead pastor, like you, you're with your people every single day. And you're talking to them, you're, you're on call, you're on text, you're seeing them from Sunday to Sunday. It's different from flying into a city and speaking and flying out or flying into a consulting opportunity and flying out or even doing a podcast and moving on. And you know this because of mm-hmm. Connexus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's it's it, the hard, the, one of the most difficult and probably the lowest moment is just trying to hold everybody together. Um, when they don't know where to put their emotions or their hardships or what to do, because that can be very difficult because it can come back on you. It can, you know, they can redirect it and you're like, whoa. And these are people that have been friends, right? For a long time. I'll say this and I'm done. One of the things that Andy told me, also Pastor Brian Houston told me, also the guys over at ARC, also Andrew Gard, like just pastor after pastor after pastor, they said, well, look, Prepare yourself emotionally because the people you plant with will not be the same people that are there in a year. Yep. And, and go ahead, please. Well, <laughs> please no, you go, I want to hear the did end. You, did you believe them? No. I know because I didn't no. either. I didn't no. either. I okay. did not because I'm like, no, these are my guys. These are like, this is my, my girls. Like they, We've been together my whole life. We, and it's the, and and somebody told me I forgot who it was that but but they were like the pe- and there will be people that you think will stay that will not and people that you think will leave that will stay and if that was not the most true statement and that I'm gonna just be honest that's hard Gary like yeah because you if I could do it all over again I probably would not invite my closest friends. <laughs> into the journey because it's just the nature of the beast, you know? So. Wow. I'm taking notes. Yeah. Because I heard that too. And I mean, that's some of the top counsel you can get on this. And I, I had the same reaction you did. It's like, well, maybe that happened to you, but you should see my team. Right. (laughs) And then the people you start with, they kind of go sideways. So let's, let's break apart church planting a little bit. You started Hillsong Atlanta. When did you guys launch, just to get a time frame? We launched June 6th. It's crazy that we know this. June 6th, 2021, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think when we're doing this, it's been a little over a year, maybe a year and some change since we opened. Mm -hmm. So right right around June 6th. Okay. So you open, and it was a big opening, correct? 2,000 folks. In the middle of COVID. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about, because I want this to be a little bit of a case study in church planting during right. slash post-pandemic. 
We haven't done an episode like this in a long time. And this, this can apply to anybody who started anything in the pandemic. But how did you pull that team together? Wow. Because that, that's a 10x. That's a 10x. I think a typical church plant launches with 200 people yeah. on Sunday one. And then they kind of go down after that, right? Exactly, exactly. So you launched 10x. Yeah. How did you pull the team together? Yeah, you know, um, and it's it's interesting. And first of all, I want to, you know, even though some of the team isn't with us anymore, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as we just discussed, I want to thank all of them for their efforts and what they gave because, and I heard somebody that said, you know, some people are just scaffolding and then some people are the ones that are just, you know, that are in filling in the scaffolding. What and do they so, mean by scaffolding? What the like? scaffolding is, and I want to get this right. I'm just using the language, but from my understanding, scaffolding is like the the bones of the house. So it's, let's just set it up. And then you obviously have to fill it in when you're creating a house from the ground up with the walls and with the this, the drywall and all this other stuff. And, um, and a leader told me, uh, you know, be grateful for the people that were just scaffolding. They were there to help create the framework. And then they left. And, it, and that hurts. He was like, but God sent them to be scaffolding. And then now he's, and then God will replace them with those that are supposed to be the drywall and the carpet and the this and the that. And so the scaffolding people, I I definitely want to thank them because they helped us navigate so much. Um, But you've had Mark Miller on here Mm -hmm. from Chick-fil-A and he's a good friend. And I'll just say this, I'll never forget it. I was on a tour with them once, um, and they were they were doing a leadership tour to all the owners and the operators. This was way before the pastoral journey, and I was doing a little bit of hosting, a little bit of curating, and Mark was speaking, and then Randy Gravitt was speaking, and all of that. But they said something I never forget, and they said, you know, one of the leadership keys for them at Chick Fil A worldwide is whenever they have a problem, they put a leader on it, and. The tagline that goes with it is high performance teams do high performance things. And so for me, my number one goal before we opened was how do I build a high performance team? Mm -hmm. And I started looking around for people that were high capacity experts in their field and had a little bit of experience, whether it was in the church or not. And I just started calling friends. That's why I said, if I were to do it all over again, I wouldn't do friends. <laughs> mm. Just because I love them. I don't want to put them through that again. <laughs> and most of them, didn't most of them say yes at the beginning? Yeah, everybody did. Because they loved me and um, they loved Tony and they loved Hillsong. So they were like, yeah, of course, I'll jump in. I'm all in. And I'll jump in for free. You know, which later comes back and may bite you, but they'll jump in for free and I'm ready to rock and roll. And so when we looked around the room, I've got so many pictures. We were just like, man, look at this team. We've got Grammy award winners in here. We've got nominees. We've got people that have done arenas to people that have, you know, consult on the, at the highest level of church planning and all of that. And we are in what we got people that have been in ministry for 20 years. And they're in this room going, let's plant this. And, you know, and so because of that, I do think we saw um, that was a a big key to the success. I think I was talking to you around the time of launch and you were like, Carrie, I'm like launching, like I'm raising money on Zoom. How do you even do that? Is that, (laughs) do you remember that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So talk about how you, 
so you invite a whole bunch of people. You're, yeah. you know, texting everyone you know. They say yes. Uh, what did you do next? How did you cast vision? How did you raise the funds? How did you build the teams? Yeah. So um, I, I think this was a combination of um, having a ton of mentors, having a ton of access to resources and leaders that are not afraid to tell you the truth. Um, I think for me, the art guys were were really beneficial for me in the beginning in terms of just wisdom and knowledge. A lot of the Hillsong family guys were um, beneficial. A lot of the Hillsong guys were beneficial. A lot of the North Point guys were beneficial. I just put on everybody and I'm like, if you were me, what would you do? And the the resounding um, advice that I continued to get was you got to have a, you got to build a launch team and you've got to inspire that launch team. And you've got to give that launch team direction and a reason and purpose, direction and purpose. So for me, it was the pandemic. And again, you know, and we'll talk about this, but Pastor Carl Lentz had had his situation about six months prior. So Hillsong was in the media um, already for, for a lot of different things. It had not gotten to where it's at today, but it was still big, but it was not uh, debilitating. And so um, we're in the middle of this meeting with individuals right after the call thing. And all of us were just thinking at the time, oh, this is just going to go away, right? It's just, it's 160 locations. One location had a situation. It's like a denomination. If one person in the Southern Baptist denomination has an issue or in the Baptist denomination or even, right, Assemblies of God, you don't paint every church with the same brush. So in our mind, it's going to, you know, it's going to come and it's going to go. We didn't know it would continue. But I'm meeting with, so I'm meeting with this, with this, with this launch team on Zoom in the middle of the pandemic. And um, I, 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 I believe it was someone that said people give to vision. And so whatever you do, cast as much vision as you can, because it's going to be the vision that people give to. The other thing that they didn't say that I discovered, which blew my mind, was also that we were attaching to something ancient that had been in creation since for thousands and thousands of years that I was attaching to. And so the wind of the church in Acts was going to blow on us as well. So I was not expecting that. Um, and it started happening because I started telling the team, I'm like, wait a minute, like, why are people here? And we started hearing stuff like, I'm just here to build God's church. I'm just here to build God's church. I'm like, what? Like, I've never, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what? They're like, hey, I love you, but we are here to build something that is eternal. And I was like, whoa, like, what is that? And so I think the combination of us casting a compelling vision at the at the highest level that we could um, in terms of racial reconciliation, which was a big thing at the time. Um, women empowerment, which was a big thing at the time. Post-Christian influence, which was a big thing at the time. Um, being able to reach across the lines, and you talk about this all the time on here, which I totally agree with, and I've quoted it, 100% physical, 100% dig digital, right? We're all in on both. It's not either It's not either or, it's both and, and they should both be respected at the highest level. I mean, you could not be more right. Us casting that vision, um, people just... They grabbed a hold to it. Us being the Hillsong, us being Hillsong helped as well uh, because it was a brand that was trusted. It was a brand that's 30 years old and they're going, man, they've been about 30 to 40 years old. They've been about the kingdom for so long. I got to get involved. And it was easier for them to attach that to something that's ancient, 
back to the book mm-hmm. of Acts and so on and so forth. So the combination of that and us just, you know, we're in the Bible Belt. So that's the other thing that I that we were talking a lot to um to Hillsong Global about. It was the fact that people expect to give in the Bible Belt. Mm. They just expect it. So our giving in relation to other locations, percentage-wise, not amount, but percentage-wise was was trending upwards. It was like a 60% as opposed to like 30 or 40 or 50. Um, and then eventually kind of got down to about 50% of the folks that were coming were giving. Um, but we were just driving it home. So yeah, I want to drill down on that and just give credit where credit is due. I think the 100% physical, 100% digital is an idea I got from Craig Rochelle. So thank you, yeah. Craig. I remember that convo. That was amazing, Craig. <laughs> anyway, um, true. And I still think he's bang on today. I want you to imagine, I know it's a hypothetical question, but you know, you did launch with the wind in your sails yeah. from Hillsong. Now you've relaunched a story church. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But imagine you were just Sam Collier going into Atlanta to plant a church. You definitely have connections. You've got a platform. You've got influence. How much, at least at launch, how much extra wind in your sails do you think having the Hillsong movement behind you gave you as a church plant? And I'm asking that question. I'll tell you the motivation behind the question. The motivation behind the question is planting a church is difficult. Yeah. happens every weekend across the U.S. and around the world. Yeah. And people want backing, right? Do we get ARC behind us? Do we get another church planting network behind us? Do we get yeah. whatever? But you got Hillsong behind right. you. How much cachet or how much um, extra of a boost do you think having the Hillsong name attached to your church plant gave you initially out of the gate? Yeah, you know, I, I'll say a couple things. I, I'll say the obvious. It definitely gave us wind. It definitely put wind in our mm-hmm. sails, hands down. Um, which is why I would also say if you whatever you can do to not plant alone, I would do. And I know that yeah. there there are a lot of guys that are like, well, it's my thing, it's my joint. I get it. There's so many different ways to work out your situation, right? To where it's I'm gonna plant at with ARC, which which ARC is not taking over your church, right? You're an ARC church, no. but you do have wind. Like they give you a little bit of wind for sure. If you can plant out of another church, like I just, I'm always about working smarter than harder, always, mm. um, because be, because you don't have to work harder. Like I think, I think that's the thing. There are so many guys that just that you know they've had success. They want to help you have success. There's so many individuals that want to do that. I think the heart of Hillsong and even other massive churches and church planning movements. It comes from a genuine place. Like, man, we want to see the church of God grow everywhere. We want to be a part of the Great Commission. Whether our name is on it or not, we want to see things planted. So I would just encourage every church planter out there, whether you've planted already or you're getting ready to plant or you've been in the plant for a while, attaching yourself to something has pros and cons, but the pros can really help you if it's done really well. I know, Carrie, for, for you guys, you came, you know, you joined the North Point partner kind of system. And mm-hmm. I don't know if similar you similar idea. Similar idea. Uh, but still, everybody knows Connexus Church is Connexus Church. And North mm-hmm. Point is a friend, right? And they're yeah. they're they're family. Um, and so it's the same thing. Let's let's I Jesus prayed that we would be one. Above all, right? That's that's one of the things. 
that they would be one. Um, and, and there's a lot of theological understandings of that particular passage, but the idea is unity. So if we could become even that much more unified in just planning and in building things, I think we would go further faster. And I'm going to use an old an old, an old word uh, from the old church. The world gets this. <laughs> um, culture gets this. Um, uh, Netflix was trying to partner, partner with Blockbuster, right? Before they began. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. The world gets the idea of collaboration. Sprite is a spinoff of Coke. Like it's, and so we can go further faster when we, when we come together. So I would definitely say they helped us tremendously. Where I would put the caveat is in at that particular time, this is something we think a lot about. We don't fully know what the percentage is of how much they helped us and how much they didn't help us. Um, and I say that because in the it was kind of it, I don't want to use the word fluke, but we planted six months into the Carl Lentz situation. And at one point, and this is credit to the Hillsong world, and I can say this because all of my brothers and sisters over there were <laughs> experienced it as well. Um, there was a moment where we just believed that it would die down um, because it was one church a part of 160. And I remember one month, there was a specific outlet, I won't give the state because you'll know what it is, that produced an article on Hillsong every week for about three months. Wow. Yeah. And this particular media platform was a what, what is what they would call, and you understand this, a feeder. So the, the feeders, when they post something, other people pick it up. So it would be similar to the Associated Press. Um, and so this outlet, They would produce something and it would get picked up everywhere. Now, I want you to imagine for three months straight, Carrie, it was insane. This is three months before we plan. (laughs) So, and we're in the Bible Belt and it's American media. So it's not, we're not talking about London planning a church or South Africa or Tokyo. This is the American media, which is a different machine than others going in for three months. So when we plant, we're planning in scandal. I thoroughly believe had the had the media not been what it was, it would have been bigger than what we ended up doing. You mix that with, um, you know, I've, I've planted roots in Atlanta my whole life. You know, I yeah. am, you know. Grown up there. Yeah, yeah. The Andy, the North Point got behind us. So we've, you know, we've, we've got somewhat of a brand um, if, if I can say that, or some, somewhat of uh, influence because of the North Point stage, which everybody know North Point is all over Atlanta and greater Atlanta. And then I was at New Birth um, Missionary Baptist Church under Bishop Long, which was a 25,000 African-American church. So that gave me some things. And then not to mention, you know, I'm really good friends and have been able to be helped by the King family for such a long mm. time in terms of Bernice King, Angela Bernice um, King, Watkins. Yeah all of the above. And so you mix all that together and you go, we think the combination of it all um, helped us push back a little bit on some of the pressure. Um, And I do believe that the Hillsong name helped 
as well within that. So this combination of a perfect storm is what I think helped us a little bit. That's a really good nuance, you know, because when you associate with anything, there is sometimes a blessing by association, sometimes a guilt by association. And it pushes and it pulls. And I've had friends who have very, very faithfully served at a local level. I don't want to name who it was. And their leader turned out to have all kinds of problems of the movement and, you know, resigned in disgrace. Yeah. And it really hurt them. And I've known these guys for 25, 30 years. Mm. They didn't do anything. They, they've been faithfully serving in their church, but because the leader fell, it impacted them and they assumed, you know, guilt by association, et cetera. So I get it. It's a push pull. One of the things you did though, and I appreciate the nuance in all the alliances that you built. And I would say, you know, people like, like Andy, and he's done this numerous times when Passion City Church was founded. He's not, he's not a scarcity mindset guy. He would throw his full blessing behind you and like, go ahead, Sam, you know, you know, enjoy it, which is like an incredible spirit. I wish everybody would have, but you also did some things to gain momentum, right? To gather momentum. Do I remember correctly? an event, you had Andy Minio there. And did you also have Lecrae? Or was Andy? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you were coming uh, in hot, dude. You were coming yeah. in hot. Like that was, so well, talk about and, that. What, what were you I'll, doing? I'll, this is, this is, I'm, uh, this is why you're Carrie Newhoff. And I was talking to somebody, I was like, I'm getting ready to go on, on Carrie's show. I said, and it's going to be one of the best interviews I've done on this because Carrie just has a way of asking the, nobody has ever asked me this. And this is why I say this. And one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk about this really quickly, Carrie, is because I won't name any names and this is not painting the entire brush, but this was not the typical way that Hillsong Church is planted. And I got some pushback internally (laughs) for sure. Um, not from everybody. There was like, you know, in any massive organization, half are going, do it, do it, do it. Right. Uh And the other uh half are like, whoa, that's not what we do. Right. And so for me, and I had to have, and and now that we've got some space, I actually had, I've had several, I had several conversations with individuals in the world, important folks. And I had to say, listen, I have to attach what we're doing to a little bit more credibility right now because we're losing credibility on the media side. And we're doing our best to combat, but at the same time, we're still trying to figure out what it means to combat. Um, Because you got to understand Hillsong, from my understanding, since opening was, have been attacked in the media in Australia since opening and, yeah. I, and if I were to use the word, if I were to even trade the word attack, I'll just say have experienced scrutiny from the media. And they grew through the scrutiny in Australia. So, so, so them going through what they went through with American press was like, well, maybe this is like Australian press and it's not, right? It's, it's different. Mm. And, so, uh, and, and so, and to their credit, for, for them, I believe it was for them going, man, this, we've seen this before. We've been here before. We've triumphed over certain scrutiny in the media before. We'll get through this one. Um, not necessarily having the, the the understanding of how American media works, which totally makes sense because you're in Australia. So, for, so I'm having conversations explaining American media. <laughs> 
and why I have to do an event with Andy Minio and Lecrae and why I have to do an event with Natalie Grant and why I have to do an event with Mac Brock to remind people of the credibility in the face of the um, um, of the scrutiny and people because whenever there's scrutiny for on a brand, especially in America, when the media is going at it, people are asking the question. Is it true? Is it not? That's what people are asking. Let's just cut straight to the chase. People want to know, can I trust you? Can I not trust you? And that's the dialogue. And so for us, I'm going, if we're going to have people come in our doors, we at least have to have something that gives some level of trust to people that are questioning us because of the statements that are being made and because of the things that keep coming out. So let me call on some people that know the beauty of what Hillsong has been, that are good friends, and let me help. Let me ask them to help leverage their influence to help us launch what we're doing. Not to mention, it also helps us double down on what some of our core distinctives are, which is multiculturalism in music, hip hop, pop, R and B, all of the above. And so it was a it was a strategy ses- session for a long time, Carrie. I mean, we were in the we were in the war room, going, "How in the world do we cut through the noise?" Um, to keep the main thing the main thing and give somebody some uh, some something to grab a hold to. And Quiet is Kept, our biggest event was with Andy Minio. And mm-hmm. it was crazy because I'm like, wait, we just had Natalie Grant. We just had, and, and those were great events and big events. But when we did Andy Minio, it just, ex- I mean, we couldn't fit. The building was shaking. It was so many people in there and they were jumping in unison. The walls were flexing in and out. It was crazy. <laughs> that would have been a story, Sam. That would have been a story. <laughs> Thousands exactly. of people die at Hillsong launch. Yeah, that would, that would have been bad. In the middle um, of COVID. In the middle of COVID. Yeah. So you're navigating all this. I could go in so many directions, but let me jump ahead a little bit then. Yeah. And let's talk about, so seven, eight months after you launch as Hillsong Atlanta. And I'm not interested in throwing shade at people, but I do want to ask a very serious question. Yeah. You step back. You're like, we are no longer Hillsong Atlanta. I'm resigning yeah. from Hillsong. And you start over again as Story Church. So yeah. can you talk about why you made that decision, what was involved, and the relaunch as Story Church now decoupled yeah. from Hillsong? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to uh, Darren Kiddo. And uh, who uh, was uh, the one that originally brought us in. Uh, um, I also want to give a shout out to Pastor Phil Dooley, who's now kind of running the show. And obviously, we got to give a shout out to Pastor Brian and Bobby for believing in us. I, I, I say that to people all the time. It's like we, we were in a season um, where we were searching. We had a specific vision. And we were doing our best to try and partner with some individuals that would help us fund it. And they were the ones that said, we will do it. We get it. We see it. We love you and Tony. We'll back it. Um, but, but I think that's a great segue into kind of how we started and where we ended and where we are today. In our original meeting, uh, and I got to give a shout out to Brad Lominick. I have to. Um mm-hmm. It was, I called Brad and I said, man, I got this, I have this vision to do a multicultural thing um, in the South um, where there are not a lot of churches that are multicultural. It's still <laughs> black church, white church, Hispanic church. 100%. In the South. 
Predominantly, yeah. predominantly. Yeah. There are a few, but you can count them on your finger, on your hand. Right. Um, so I'm like, Brad, we're trying to do something historic. Black and black and brown and white people don't go to church together. Mm. And we want to do something different. Um, he's like, well, what's, you know, what are you going to call it? I said, well, Story Church. That's the name. Because I've had a greater story podcast, a greater story ministries. Yeah. I'm like, my book, it's going to be called Story Church. When your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. Brad's like, that's a great name. And I'll be, I'll tell you what Brad said to me. <laughs> He said, because I want to get him off the hook because I know he he feels like, man, I threw you into something. Um, he said, well, why do you need anybody? That's what he said to me. You know, he's like, mm. just get a lot of friends to help you. And I was like, well, Brad, you know, I don't want to do it alone. And I would really love to do it with a, someone. And, and I'll be honest, and this did help. I wanted to attach ourselves to an organization that white people trusted. I'll just be honest mm. with you. There because... You and it was going to be North Point first. And me and Andy had a two-year conversation. He was like, you're trying to do something a little too different from what we are. Mm. But we love you. We bless you. Do your thing. Um, and Hillsong was a lot closer to the style of ministry we were wanting to do. And it was a brand that white people trusted. And for me in the South, Black people are asking one question when they walk into a predominantly white church. Am I safe here? Are they for me? That's the Those are the questions. White people are asking the same question when they walk into a black church. They're going, is this for me? Am I welcome? How do I know? If I'm going to set up roots here under a black pastor, does he actually care about me? Does he actually get me? Am I actually welcome? And I know that just from backdoor conversations I've had with my white friends. And so I wanted to solve that problem before they walked in the door. And it was less attached to a white brand or predominantly white brand. That or a brand that people trust because in London, Hillsong London is extremely diverse, South sure. Africa diverse. So I'm not, but white people trust Hillsong. <laughs> at mm. least, at least, you know, at that particular time, they were, you know, at the highest level because it's, you know, 25, 30 years of Grammy Awards and some of the biggest songs in Christendom known to man. So um, when we met with Pastors Brian and Bobby, and we also believed and felt that we were supposed to go with them. Like it, it I stepped into Hillsong. LA for the first time and the spirit shook me and I, and me and Tony looked at each other and said, I think we're, I think we're at, I think this is where we're supposed to be. So not only was it that, but so there was a strategic element, but there was also a God element at the highest level. So when we sat down, it was never to be Hillsong Atlanta. It was all, it was always to be story church, a Hillsong family church, because for us, we we had heard you don't just plant a Hillsong church if you haven't been there for five to ten years. You know, they plant from within. So we didn't even expect to be invited in at that level. And so we waited a year to get a meeting because of the pandemic and some other things. Cause and we waited that long because we loved Hillsong and we believed in it and felt like we were supposed to be there. Um, and when we sat down, we our goal was to walk out as a Hillsong family church. And that was that was like iffy for us. It was like, ooh, they may not let us in, <laughs> right? And so uh, Pastor Brian asked me what our vision was, and I told him, and um, he said, listen, I don't see why we wouldn't move forward as Hillsong family. And we, me and Tony got up and went to the restroom and shouted in the restroom, oh my gosh, we're in, oh my gosh, we're in, oh my gosh, we're in. And then we went back to the table, and he said, how deep do you want to go with us? And we were like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, 
do you, why don't you just become Hillsong? And we were like, whoa, is that an option? And he's like, sure. I thought he was kidding. I went home. I went to the hotel that night and I told Tony, he's playing around. We'll see. We got back up the next day. And I said, hey, so were you serious about this? He was like, yeah, we're waiting on you. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and so um, they invited us in to be Hillsong Atlanta. And we were honored and still honored. Um, to have been asked to be a part of one of the greatest Christian movements um, that in our generation. And I think everybody who's been in, a Christian for a long time, no matter where you are, would agree. You've sung a Hillsong song. You've worshiped to it. It's helped you through some of the hardest moments. Everybody knows that. And I, I think if you've been a Christian for a while. And so um, we jumped in. After we got announced, um, this was maybe four or five months later, a week, literally seven days after we got announced, seven days, Carl Lentz got announced as having um, what he had, an affair, some other things, um, which, I, which I know from personal friends um, that he, even in this day, is he's in, he's in therapy, he's doing his work, he's extremely repentant, he's... You know, I heard somebody, somebody said they saw him recently and, you know, he was just with his head down, you know, just feeling, you know, so, I, and I don't, I, again, I can't speak for him, but I do know that um, however you imagine it's hitting him, it's hitting him um, as well as everybody else, right? It's, it's what you think it is based from, based on what I have heard from friends that know him personally. Um, after that, from that moment to today, the media hadn't stopped. And I'll just tell you, Carrie, like, and I'm, I'm even being, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the moment now. I can feel what I was feeling like. I, it was so emotional for me and Tony, more so me, because uh, Tony was supporting in this particular role. She started, you know, doing Broken Crayons and her book deals and some other things. And many people saw that announcement of her not just being, you know, quote unquote, a first lady. Um, but, and there's nothing wrong with being a first lady, but she's like, look, I got some other things I'm trying to do. Um, and we celebrated her in doing that. Um, I, when we joined the Hillsong world, we never wanted to leave. To this day, I never wanted to leave. Like, I cried so hard at the moment where I felt like we had to because I never wanted to. I joined to find family. At that, at, when you strip it all back, beyond the white brand or, you know, white people feeling comfortable, beyond the global phenomenon, beyond all of that, I joined because me and Tony wanted family at the highest level. And we um, felt that and we had found that in Hillsong. There, you, you don't become a an organization that's world-renowned like that and has had as much success as they had without a strong foundation. You don't become that. And so we became, we we got a chance to experience that um, and really built some deep and close personal relationships. And the reason I'm telling you that, Carrie, is to define for you the level of 
tension that we felt and that I felt and having to make a decision to disconnect. It was very hard. (laughs) Well, and if I can add an editorial comment, having known you as long as I have, you do have that sense, in part because of your story and your background, where like our friendship, you know, we text once in a while, we catch up a few times a year. But like, you really do have, when you said family, I'm like, of course, that's what you're looking for. I get it. And that's what, like, I feel like you're family. Like, that's the way our friendship has developed over the years. And I have seen that in you. And I think that probably made the thing stronger. And I also think that you know, family can be dysfunctional sometimes. And obviously Hillsong has some significant challenges, Um, but it's not all a hundred percent bad. And, you know, so many church leaders are isolated that it is such a good idea to go deep with a tribe, to go deep relationally with people rather than being cynical and suspicious and sitting alone in your corner, because that's where you know, you get picked off yeah. just as easily by an enemy there too. So yeah. thank you. I just wanted to say that. I, I I love that that metaphor because I think most of us as leaders, we have that innate desire to connect. Yeah. But ultimately, that making it even harder, you decided we are going to cease being a Hillsong church and I'm going to step back. So, so yeah. what happened there? Yeah. So um, I think you hit on it a little bit. Um I want to add a little context to it in saying um, anytime you have over 100,000 members globally, you know, uh, managing upwards of probably $100 million a year in assets and and budgets um, and 160 locations, you're going to have some problems. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Right. Like, um, I think any anyone who's ever been a part of a mega movement or is pastoring a mega church, or even let's, let's take it to the corporate level, a corporate massive fortune 500, whatever. Um, you got some problems because the tension and I've heard Hillsong talk about this. The tension is catching up with your growth. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 I know this from personal experience, having planted a church that's attempting to do family, being family and being corporate is hard to to balance. Oh yeah, yeah. because you'll keep people longer than you should have because you're trying to love them. You'll hurt people deeper than you should have because you were loving them. And so trying to, like, having developed a familiar relationship with somebody that you have to now switch hats and discipline Mm. is one Mm. of the most difficult things. And I'll be honest in saying, I am learning how to do that now. I'm in meetings with executive pastors and with coaching organizations and all of that going, Man, like, how do I do this well? And one of the things I keep hearing time and time again, Carrie, in coaching sessions is family is the hardest way to build an organization. Mm. Somebody actually told me, don't ever say the word family. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm increasingly moving away from family language and talking about teams. But it's interesting. And to be fair, 
you don't need a hundred million dollar organization or a hundred thousand people to have problems. There's a lot of people who yeah. make fifty thousand dollars a year, and that's enough problems. Like yeah. you have problems in every family. You have dysfunction yeah. in every family. You've got yeah. you can have the smallest micro church startup and you've got problems. But that tension you just zeroed in on between family and corporate. And I know we'll get a bunch of emails. The church is not a corporation. You're not a CEO. Listen, corp is the Latin word, Greek word, I think. I got to go back, do my exegesis. For body, that's Mm -hmm. where we get it from, right? Corpse, body. So when you look at it, you are, this. the church is a corporate, a collective organization that is pulled together under Christ. And yeah, you've got that organizational versus relational tension. And it's all over the pages in the New Testament too. Yeah. So you're learning that lesson. 100%. And, and, and was able, I think, when you go back and look at a lot of the Hillsong articles, for those that are like, mm. what's going on? Just Google. Mm. <laughs> Just Google oh, Hillsong. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll find it. You'll see some. Me, so I'll, what was I'll, the tipping point? What was yeah. the tipping point? Where um, you're for, like, okay, we're not doing this. Yeah, the tipping point for me was um, we fought and we fought and we fought and we fought to try to localize our, what we were doing to try and protect the organization, um, to try and make some different things. And it just got to the point to where um, the media, like whether whether they did it or didn't do it or whether they should have did more here or shouldn't have done this there, whether they should have fired this person or shouldn't have fired that person, whether this is true or this is not true. Like, I'm not even going to get into all that. You can go do your own research and come to your conclusion. For us, the media scrutiny got so big and the shifts got so big that people in our specific location stopped trusting the brand. Mm. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. And what followed that was a decrease in finances at the highest level, a decrease in membership at the highest level. And for a church plant that's eight months old, we just couldn't withstand it. I appreciate that, you know, and and to give people an idea, and I'm not interested in like doing a deep Google on this stuff, but there there's been so much written. Your announcement that you're stepping back made People Magazine, which blew me away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that or not, but it made I People did. Magazine. That in the New York yeah. Times and Yahoo.com, and the New York Times too. Wow. Yeah. 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 So now, now that you're Story Church and you're three months into Story Church, four months, like just nascent to story church. a little over two two okay yeah so this is this is wet paint as we're recording this what's happened what does it feel like now yeah it's um it's just a regular organization now (laughs) it's just like like it all kind of you're just like story church a little yeah well you're not little but you know right right well the the startup phase is i mean we're 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 doing the same amount of membership we were doing when we were hillsong atlanta um we we lost some folks we we carried over the majority of them um and i believe that that was and we we still have people at our church now that love hillsong and came because they were hillsong but just transitioned over with us because for a couple reasons i did my best not to bash hillsong and the brand and to try to keep the main thing the main thing which was for us, we just couldn't continue doing the vision because people didn't, they loved me and they were like, we just, people, I say this all the time, like people don't come to church for scandal. They come to take care of their family. They come, and we kept having to make a lot of announcements, which makes sense because of everything that was going on. And people just got announcement fatigue. 
<laughs> and then, you know, mm. and so, but so they just carried on over with us. And, um, and now we're doing what we set out to do before we became Hillsong Atlanta, when we were just going to be Story Church, a Hillsong Family Church, or Story Church, a North Point Partner Church. Um, we're just doing that. And we're going 100% physical and 100% digital. And, you know, for us, we've got some streaming partners. So we average probably 14 to 15,000 online every on Facebook every week. Uh, and we probably cycle, I don't know, it's the pandemic. So, you know, we might cycle 500 to 600 in person. We just cycle them, cycle them. Um, and so we put a lot of emphasis on online, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and then we invite people to join us in person. But I I'll tell you this, you know, the vision, and I think you will probably like this, Carrie, the vision for us is not big. And I say that because I think that this generation, the people that we're looking to reach, um, they don't want big anymore. Hmm. Um, they actually are running away from it. Um, it, it mega church, all, they're just running away. So what we're trying to build, and you're probably going to see this from us in the next couple of years, in a probably in a massive way, it's going to feel like it's fast, but it's actually manageable and because of what, of what we're going after. We are trying to plant really, really, not really, really, intimate gatherings all around the country. Mm. Intimate gatherings all around the country. That's our vision. 200 to 1,000 person gatherings, 200 being the minimum, 100 being max, everywhere. And because they're smaller, we can do them faster. Mm. So I'm meeting with leaders right now. I probably got four or five leaders right now who are ready to launch locations in the city of Atlanta, in the city of Nashville, in the city of where we want to go wherever there's racial tension. Ah, I was going to say, what's the why behind that? Because you just said like, oh, I don't think people don't trust big. And then yes. the next thing is like, and we're expanding. So <laughs> tell me more about that. Yeah. So we are expanding, but we're expanding small, if that makes mm, sense. So. Um, pick up on the racial tension piece, because I yeah, think that's probably so really important. For us, we feel called. And if there's anybody out there that feels called to that, right, mm. talk to us. We feel called to creating centers of racial reconciliation in places where they are needed most. And we believe that the more intimate the community is, the more you can get into it. And the more you can learn how to do life with somebody that's not that doesn't look like you, um, and so that's and I'll tell you this, Carrie. Like I'm I'm bringing back my TV show. I'm bringing back my podcast. I've got another book coming out. I'm getting ready to do another tour with a greater story. Like it's boom. I just had to catch my breath <laughs> for a moment after really? everything. Really, <laughs> and, and you're going to be a dad within hours and of us finishing this recording. Hour. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so me and Tony, if you see us on Facebook or Instagram, whatever, we all we're running. That's who we are. We run. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. She's a three. We got to get stuff done. So we're running and running. So we got a lot of stuff coming. But in terms of what we've the, so in terms of the church, because people will ask me all the time, you didn't have to plan a church. Why would you plan a church? And I'll say I didn't want to plan a church. <laughs> it wasn't my yeah. goal at all. The Lord made me. 
and would not, I, I could not go to sleep. And he woke me up and he said, listen, I need centers of racial reconciliation. I need centers that empower women. I need centers that are post-Christian focused. And I'll just, I'll go ahead and let this, the, the cat out of the bag. Um, Steven, I believe his last name is Foster, who's tied to Nikki Gumbel. Oh yeah, I know Steven. Yep, London. in England. Yeah. I am patterning everything that we're doing off of HTB. I'll just go ahead and say it now. Because when you go to the Church of London, it's post-Christian. Yes. And what they have figured out is how to engage a generation that is far from God and doesn't want to know and 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 is in a in a country and a state that is far from God. And here's what you'll notice about their model, Carrie. And I'm I'm just giving it all away because I want people to have this, because I feel like God's called us to this, from racial reconciliation, also post-Christian. So those are a lot of our core tenets. Racial, uh, multiculturalism, uh, women empowerment, post-Christian influence, excellent in presentation, so on and so forth. For us, when you look at the Church of London and HTB specifically, they've got like 40 locations. They're all small. They're all small. You can, I, I remember us, I, don't, I think you were there, Carrie, at the last Alpha in the gathering with Brad. We were at one of the locations and you could probably fit a hundred people in there. Oh yeah. It was like a church basement, literally. Yeah. It's like, what? But these old buildings that have this intimate feel, that's what we're trying to do. And I actually think, and this is not for everybody because I'm not, and I'm not bashing mega churches because I think they're needed. Um, and I think that they'll continue on because we need that. And there are certain people that need to be a part of that and want that. I think there are a lot of people in our generation who want small. And so and po- when I think moving into a post-Christian, and we can see this in Canada, right, and in Toronto and in other places, um, I think small Jeff Henderson is the new big. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it, it, if somebody's going, what is Story Church? It's HTB. It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it is an HTB model. And so what you'll see with us is over the years, a lot of locations popping up in different places. Don't be afraid if we show up because we're not going big. Mm. You <laughs> mentioned Jeff small. Henderson. We're, we're, yeah, we're we're why'd in. you drop Jeff's name in the middle of that? I'm trying to get I dropped Jeff Henderson because before he um, transitioned out of Gwinnett Church, yeah. he was preaching that. He was just like, small is the new big, small is the new big, small is yep. the new big. Yeah. And then I think he was on to something. And it's something that we're seeing, Carrie. Like online is, is huge for us. It's massive numbers online and intimate in person. And so we've actually moved from a massive room to an intimate room. It feels amazing. People are coming like crazy and we're loving it. And they're like, this is my church home. And so we're just going to do it again somewhere else. And I, I just believe, and I, again, I'm tapping, I've got five leaders already. We're going to be launching and we're not, we're not building this big thing. We're building small things everywhere to impact the kingdom. And by the way, I do believe that God's church should grow because it's the mm-hmm. great commission. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think we can get away from growing his church. I just think we got to do it in a different way. So I want to back up and talk a little bit about, um, personal integrity and living out your faith, you know, we have seen, and it, it sickens me just revelation after revelation of church leaders who have abused women, um, 
who have abused people, who have abused power, who have abused money, etc. And it's it's just heartbreaking. You think, okay, well, this is the end, and then it's never the end. There's another revelation, another broken heart. And, you know, this is something I think about every day because, you know, God gives you influence and he's given me more influence than I ever imagined. Lots of people have more influence, but, you know, I just think about all the people I would let down and I would hurt, Um, not only directly, but all the people who had trust in you, you know, and then you dissolve that trust. What are you learning about stewarding the influence you have And what are some of the things or the rhythms or the disciplines, the practices that you are doing to ensure that you don't misuse, abuse, hurt the people that you're leading? Yeah. Um, I'm going to answer this question in the most raw way as I can, because I've seen so much scandal I've I've been a part of churches that have been through so much scandal and I've, I've talked to people on the other side of scandal that have been the perpetrators and I've talked to people that have never had a scandal and, and I want to be really real about it (laughs) for a second. And the reason I want to be real about this, Carrie, is because um, I want to help people. And I also think we need to we need to reset our expectations around what we should be expecting and what this needs to be, because I think we're going through a generation that is scandal fatigued. And that is just like, what in the world? I think people are just like, what are we going to do? But people were hurt. So let me say that. So let me answer the question. Um, Carrie, people, pastors are not perfect. I'm going to just go ahead and go. We got to go here. And we got stuff in our lives that happened from childhood that many of us have not solved. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest in it. We all got stuff. If we were to get really honest, there are moments in all of our lives where if a camera was looking at our marriage, or looking at a conversation we had in a heated discussion with somebody at a restaurant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or a decision we made with a leader that, I'm going to use this word, pissed us off. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to use that word. Mm-hmm. Or in our darkest moment that only our wife knows about or only our husband knows about. Mm-hmm. And that's wives and men, women in leadership. Stuff that we've been caught doing by our own by our kids. Like, let's just get honest for a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have a you have a late night when you're 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 stressed at the highest level because you're running a massive machine and you got some alcohol in you and you went a little mm-hmm. too far. I'm just gonna I just want to put it all out mm-hmm. here for a second. Because this is the stuff that's happening, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. it, this is the reality of leadership. T.D. Jakes calls it leading while bleeding. Every leader is leading while they're bleeding. Every leader has stuff. And by the grace of God, you have leaders that um, have not had as much trauma. And I'm going to just be honest with you, Carrie. 
those are the leaders that do well, better. Mm. If you had less permanent, like less personal trauma, you will probably yeah. have less. To, well, yeah. And I'm just going to, I'm just being honest with those mm. that mm. like, there yeah. are leaders that I talk to that have gone the distance. And when I look back at their story and their life, they're going, my childhood was great. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, or it was healthy, right? It, I didn't, my dad wasn't an alcoholic. My mom didn't run away. I, both of my, my dad didn't get a divorce. I, you know, I, my, I wasn't abused. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they haven't had anything because they have, but the leaders, and then, and then I'm going to turn the corner here. The leaders that have not had as much trauma or issues in their background do better long-term. I'm not saying that, that leaders don't make it. I'm just saying it's easier. For the leaders that have gone through stuff, which, is, which are a lot of us, um, here's, here's, I'm just going to be really honest and real. Before a leader falls, they've had 30 chances mm -hmm. to get it right. They've had 30 meetings where people tried to talk to them. They've had 30 opportunities to fix it. They've had 30 grace-filled moments. Because here's what we know about God. I'm just going to, and I say this, I'm going to use a hood, some hood terminology. <laughs> God will ride with you and your imperfection as a leader for a long time. Because he did it in the Bible. He kept dealing with David over and over and over, <laughs> over and over and over. Right. He, he dealt with Saul over and over and over and over. He, he will he will do this because this is who he is. God loves us. And he and he and he hired you in your imperfected state. Hmm. He called you in your imperfected state. And here's what I know for every. And this is controversial, but I, but it's real because I've been a part of so much. I have watched God. Walk with a leader so long because he knows what you're up against and give you the opportunity to fix it. The people that end up going down, Carrie, and this is like clockwork, were the people that in the 30 opportunities, they did not, they did not take an opportunity to grow. Hmm. They didn't let it go. Yeah. And, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but my guess is the, like, you know... <laughs> I am I am devastated over the abuse that's happening. Not even that it's coming to light. I mean, that's yeah, you know, bad. But I'm just devastated that people get hurt, that people are abused, that people are crushed that way. But my guess is those are escalating instances. Those thirty. In other words, I looked at an image too long. I sent something that could be taken two different ways. Right? Oh, totally innocent, or oh, a little yep. bit flirty, or whatever. Yes. And then more. So you're talking about. Not, oh, on my 30th, I got caught, just to clarify. It's like, no, these were escalating moments where you could have stopped before there was damage done, real damage yes. done, right? Yes, yes. I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. Every leader has had a moment with somebody that loves them, that's for them on their staff, in their life, that has said, hey, I know that this is not what you meant. This sounded a little off. Yeah. Just keep an eye on this. So, and whether so, that's sexual or abusive, or whether it's yes. like just I flew off the handle at the meeting, right? 
Yes. I look back on those times in my leadership and where people, and in my case, it's usually, it hasn't been sexual. It's been more like just, wow, that was rough or you were mean or (laughs) do you know you really crushed that person's feeling? I look back on that. I'm like, I, well, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I exactly did that on purpose and I need to go apologize. And sometimes I didn't know. And it's like, okay, note to file. When you do that, people feel like crap. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what eventually creates a toxic culture, right? Yes. So yes. then it's like on your knees, repent, apologize, own it, fix yes. it. And and for me, like, I would encourage every leader, and this is me talking to me and everybody, I live in therapy, not because I'm crazy, <laughs> <laughs> but because I want to I wanna fix the things that I don't even know are working in the background before they have an opportunity to fully take me out. Because we all have something that from maybe your dad didn't love you enough. Maybe this didn't happen Mm -hmm. and you're seeking validation. You're doing this. You're, Mm -hmm. you're finding, I want to be a little real to a pass to some pastors out there. Porn is just the escape, right? Mm -hmm. Leader uh, Mm -hmm. to ministers, to people on staff, because it's happening. You you know, yep. flirting with certain individual, a certain staff, it's just a little bit of an escape because there's something that is in you that you just ne- you 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 haven't gone and just got just checked up on it. And I'm and I'll tell you this: God is going; He will cover you for a season, but but it's not forever. Hmm. And you got to do whatever you got to do right now to get ahead of it before it gets ahead of you. And take it, can we just, I, I won't name a name. There's a pastor I know that you know who had some issues. And his staff approached him, cornered him, and just said, listen, we know what's going on. We've seen it. It's not massively egregious yet, but if people found out, it, it wouldn't be good. We want to put you on a, on a year break. You can come back. But less, we love you enough because when we get it, you're stressed out. You've built this thing from the ground up. It's highly successful. It's blessing so many folks. Give us a year off. We will trust the board with your future. We will take care of you, but take a year off and go get help. And he elected not to. Mm. And so, yeah, and that's a willingness to come under someone else's authority. That's right? it's it's. And you do that voluntarily, or eventually, you will be under someone's authority, yes. and you will have no say in it. I just, I just think we have to be real about it now, Carrie, because mm. the 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 cookie cutter ideal. Let's just talk about it as if it's not happening. Isn't working anymore. Well, and I think if there is one upside to all of the revelations, and I mean, it's awful to know that those things actually happened and it's painful to read about them, is if it's done anything, it's probably lowered my tolerance for what I think is acceptable from a leader, personally. Yeah. Like stuff that I would have said, nah, it's okay, five years ago, 10 years ago. I'm like, nah, that's not cool. That's not mm-hmm. cool. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Self-discipline, right? Self-discipline, Yes. Self-discipline, self-regulation, self-control, and realizing that leadership is something which is a trust and you're accountable. 
and you can't hurt the people that you're supposed to lead. Like it's just 100%. But that's, that's a big burden. <laughs> and, and that's and, why and conversations that, like this are so helpful and healing. Well, and that, and that's why I think we owe it to the people that we lead to do the work because <sighs> you got to do the work. It's, because some people, they're just not as disciplined as they should be. They got, they inherited something and now they're just out here. It's like, look, I, I, I get it. But to Carrie's point, to your point, Carrie, it doesn't change the standard of what is necessary. And at, but as you are working through your imperfection, do the work for the people. Do the work for the people. And God will... God will be with you as you do this work, but you got to do the work. And yeah, I believe you know, that's, please yeah, go, go ahead. You finish. Go, no, you, no, finish. You, go, you, you finish. Well, I was just going to say, and I believe that there are people I, I know, I mean, and we know it's so many, like I'm doing my work. Everybody's doing their work. Right. So like I, I'm committed to that. Everybody is not for everybody and everybody's going through something. But um, I, I know that, I mean, you, you, we all know leaders that have people around them that love them so much that are like, they they they're still they they they've got some insecurity stuff they're working through and they're gonna help them, but they're but they will be there for you when you do the work. Mm. They they are waiting on you to do the work, and they they don't want to leave you. They don't want to. They just want you to do the work. <laughs> you, you know, know what I mean? think that is so good because I went through an intense period of work about twenty years ago. Yeah, where you know our church was growing, and. It's funny, I listened, it was so painful, but to the whole rise and fall of Mars Hill. And I wrote about this on my website, but like my biggest takeaway is, oh, I had some of those same instincts that Mark Driscoll had. And I was able to stop them earlier than perhaps I would have otherwise, but that was because of the work. But when I look back on that, it's like, okay, that's work that benefited not only me, it benefited my wife and my children have a different story and our church has a different story and so on. And it's not like I'm a perfect leader. I'm not a perfect leader. Right. But I love that metaphor of you're doing the work, not just on behalf of yourself, but on behalf of others. Yes. That is a really, that's a fresh thought because is, I don't know the, that's what you meant by it. No, that's what I that's like. Definitely when what you're I going to like this son who is unborn yet, right? Soon to be born. You've done the hard work on his behalf. You've done the hard work on Tony's behalf. I've done the hard work on my Tony's behalf, right? Wives with the same yeah. name. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> my kids' behalf, the leaders that are listening to this podcast, I'm doing the work on their behalf. And frankly, one of the active conversations I have with my therapist now is how do I make sure I'm not in you know that casualty that ends up hurting people and yeah. um, you know blowing this in the next decade or two. And we're, we're taking steps to make sure that the guardrails are in place and totally. the heart work is being done and the, uh, the motives are being sifted. Yeah. Oh, wow. We covered and I, so and I'm much, doing that dude. as well right now, Carrie, even with our staff now, because you just, you know, as leading is hard <laughs> and you don't know what you don't know until you say something or you do something and you're like, Whoa, wait, that's coming off that way. Okay. Wait, what? We've covered so much. Anything yeah. else you want to share with leaders? Oh, um, yeah, I think the last thing I would say, you know, as a as a young leader, um, who's 
had the opportunity just by the grace of God to be in rooms he probably shouldn't have been in, you know, so soon just by the grace of God. And, you know, my gifts, you know, the talk, the Bible talks about your gifts, taking you places and whatever. Um, so grateful to be in rooms earlier than most have been. Um, I would just say the future is bright hmm. for this generation and coming out of COVID um, we have had to rethink so much in so many different ways um, and reimagine what can our church look like? It Will it people, there are churches and we didn't talk about them, but that have lost 50% of their members because they would never come back. You know, the average is 30%. Every church in America or even potentially around the world has seen, has seen a 70% return. So we're talking about churches that don't even look like what they used to. Um, and what I would just say to everybody is the future is bright. Innovation is on the rise. And God, I believe, is 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 looking for, for leaders that are willing um, to innovate and are willing to do something different, to imagine a new model. And there's grace for the new model. So I would just encourage everyone out there, like, keep leading, keep moving. We need you. And this generation needs you. Yeah, we sure do. We sure need some hope. We sure need some new stories. Oh, okay, Sam, if people want to track with you online or they want to find Story Church, where can they find all things in the world of Sam Collier these days? Yeah, just um, Sam Collier, one word on Instagram, one word, well, two words on Google. <laughs> and you'll find everything. You'll find my website, all of that. Story Church will pop up. Um, the new TV stuff we're getting ready to do, the new books, the new tours, all of that. And I just love to track with folks and help however I can and let you in on some of the lessons. And um, and I, I will say this as we leave, praying so much for the Hillsong world um, that God would continue to love on the victims, restore the Hillsong world and leadership, teach everyone what needs to be taught so that the legacy can, can go on however he sees fit. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, thank you so much. Love you, man. Love you too. I always appreciate Sam's authenticity and his openness. And well, if you want more, you can go to the show notes. It's just kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 508. Everything we talked about, including a transcript and next episode, friends, I am so excited for this, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell. Here is an excerpt. The impact of COVID on the church is really dramatic, that you have a community that is based around, you know, in its simplest form, social communion, and you shatter the communion. You you know, everyone's stuck in their homes and you break the habit of coming together on Sunday morning. And that's, that's actually really significant. And um, I'm very strongly of the, of the view that we're doing way too many things online and not enough things in person these days. But I really feel that about any kind of uh, spiritual gathering that's next time on the podcast. And we want to thank our partners, Tithely and Brushfire. So you can get your free resource kit to help church leaders do fundraising better when you go to increasegenerosity.com. That's a free resource uh, that Tithely has made available just for you, my podcast listeners. And Brushfire is giving you $500 off your first event. 
Over 30,000 people use Brushfire every year, 30,000 organizations, I should say. And you can go to brushfire.com slash carry to learn more. That's brushfire.com slash C-A-R-E-Y. Well, in addition to Malcolm Gladwell, we've also got Ramit Sethi, Tom Rayner, Brian Zand. Very excited for that. We've got, uh, who else? Nona Jones and Tim Tebow, Patrick Lencioni, and a lot of other leaders. I'm just so honored to be able to keep doing this with you. And have you yet checked out The Art of Leadership Daily? We take little clips of this show, 508 episodes in, and play them back in 10 minutes or less. Very short show hosted by my friend Joe Terrell. You can get it uh, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Just search for my name or The Art of Leadership Daily. And I just want to thank you for listening to this episode. And I also want to give you something for free. If you're a communicator of any kind, especially a preacher, I've got a preaching cheat sheet for you. So that's 10 proven steps that will help you preach more engaging, memorable sermons week after week. And I've got a free teaching series to go along with it. So you can go to preachingcheatsheet.com. It's easy to implement. It's a gift to you. And I'd love for you to pick it up at preachingcheatsheet.com. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I hope our time together today has helped you thrive in life and leadership.